Good morning. Hope everyone's had a, a nice weekend, and it's great to gather on Lord's Day. Let's, let's begin in prayer. Even as we think of the subject matter we're going to be looking at today, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit's role in inspiring and, and illuminating the Scripture, really just the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. Uh, really one of the takeaways that I think at the end will be just our our reliance on the Spirit, even as we open the Word to, to pray that, that God would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from, from His law. Uh, even when, we, when I teach, when anyone teaches, anytime you open up the Word, we're just mindful of our dependence on the Spirit. And so, so it's right for us to begin in prayer and just our, our desire to, to learn much as we open up the Word, to glorify God as we delight in His Scriptures, and, and to depend on, on the Spirit as we seek to understand the Scriptures. So let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, a, a grateful people this morning, um, much to praise you for in light of your sovereign rule over all things and your goodness on display in so many ways. And and you are infinitely good, so we're not even mindful of, of how your goodness is fully um, demonstrated even. God, I just pray that, that we would give you all the praise that is due your name today as we gather. Pray as we open up your word that you'd be glorified, that you'd be made much of as we submit to the scriptures, recognizing it as God's word, as authoritative, as necessary. Um, as sufficient, as clear. Uh, I pray that, that we would seek to understand it. And such understanding, we're mindful, requires effort, but it ultimately, uh, understanding only comes as, as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to understand the truth. So, so we come as a dependent people desiring to, to learn much from your word. So I pray that would be what takes place today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, turn to Leviticus chapter 2. No, that was a joke. But, um, yeah, it would have made sense, though, of, of it. several points, I would think. Um, we are, as of you know, last week, if you're here, we, we began our next series. It's the Doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And um, if you think even kind of the outline that is going on here is there's a variety of ways that we could approach this, but really we're, we are looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So if, if last week the content was focused on the person of the Holy Spirit, what would just be some summary takeaways that you had last week in regards to the person of the Holy Spirit? Right, so truly God. Um, we also just, yeah, so there was, that's right, we even, there, there's careful thought given just to even think of Trinitarian realities, and then this emphasis now, this focus on the Holy Spirit, uh, the deity of the Spirit, and the personhood of the Spirit. So there's a variety of attributes uh, of God that, incommunicable even attributes of God that are true of the Spirit, and then there was a variety of uh, activity that you see the Spirit doing throughout the scriptures that, that show us, that reveal to us his personhood. So if you even think of lying to the Spirit, that, was, that cross-reference showed both the deity and personhood uh, in Acts. And then we see, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit and a variety of other 
things that are going on where we see the personhood of the Holy Spirit on display. So if we think in terms of outline, person of the Holy Spirit, now the work of the Holy Spirit really might even summarize what's going to take place for the, for the rest of our, our time. Certainly we'll, we'll, we'll deal with both, but, but if we begin today to talk about the Holy Spirit and the scriptures, this is in reference to the work of the Spirit because it is in fact the Holy Spirit who who um, is this agent of inspiration. So those who, those chosen men who are inspired by the Holy Spirit that wrote our 66 books of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit inspired those authors. So as we read these human authors' writings, we are reading the very words of God because of the inspiration of the Spirit. So, so the inspiration of the scripture, that's very much the work of the Holy Spirit. And then it doesn't stop there, even as much as, as the scriptures are inspired by God, then we even see as believers that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to understand the truth and to uh, really to believe and obey the scriptures. Um, so even empowerment by the Spirit to empower us to understand and and obey the scriptures. So that will, we'll use the word illumination as, as we get there later in the study today. So the spirit, both in the inspiration and illumination of the spirit's work in, in our um, dealing with the scripture. And so that's certainly the work of the spirit. Then we're gonna continue next week. We're gonna look at the, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, even thinking carefully about um, indwelling of the spirit in, um, is that something that's distinct in the New Testament from the Old Testament. So the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament, then we're going to look the next week at the Gospels and Acts and see the, the work of the Spirit in, in the New Testament, then even in the work of the Spirit in the church, the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer as we think about sanctification. So just a lot of, of things to study as we walk through uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I've been listening to a series by another pastor as he walks through this same doctrine. And uh, I, I've just, his name's Jack Hughes. I've really appreciated what, what he uh, has done and thoroughly thinking through the subject. But he began his first week in the study just asking a whole bunch of questions, uh, implying that he's going to answer some of these throughout the coming weeks. And, and uh I think it's going to be kind of similar to us. I just want to kind of whet our appetite for our study just to think of a variety of questions that we have as we open up the scriptures to explore the work of the Spirit and then to think through what the scriptures have to say about these questions. So, so last week, some of the questions that would be answered from what we talked about last week, is the Holy Spirit a person? Is the Holy Spirit God? Uh, what names are given to the Holy Spirit? Um, how does the Holy Spirit differ from the other members of the Trinity? I feel like those were some questions that, that we could ask in regards to the Holy Spirit that, that can be answered from the scriptures. Then when we start thinking of his work, uh, just think of some of the questions that you would have as you read through the scriptures. How did the Holy Spirit function in creation? How did the Holy Spirit function in the lives of the Old Testament saints? How did the Holy Spirit function in the life of Christ? How does the Holy Spirit relate to unbelievers? Um, how does the Holy Spirit function in relationship to the Word of God? So that will be our focus this morning. What was the Holy Spirit's role in giving 
revelation from God? What was the Holy Spirit's work of inspiration? What is the Holy Spirit's work of illumination? Uh, What is the Holy Spirit's part in relation to salvation? You know, how does the Holy Spirit function in relationship to, you know, regeneration, um, calling, converting? I mean, on and on we could go with a variety of questions about the Holy Spirit. What is spirit baptism? You know, we'd be curious to explore that later. Um, What was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost? Does the Spirit come into our lives in stages, or does the Spirit come all at once? Um, How does the Holy Spirit indwell the believer? What is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Um, What part does the Holy Spirit play in our perseverance, and our eternal security? Um, on and on we could go of just questions we would have about the Spirit. How does sin affect our walking in the Spirit? Um, How do you know if you're Spirit-filled? How does the Spirit give spiritual gifts? What are the gifts? What are the sign gifts? Um, What part does the Spirit play in our prayer? Can we pray to the Holy Spirit? Uh, Do we worship the Spirit what was the Holy Spirit doing in Acts? You know, is it, is it the Acts of the Apostles or is it the Acts of, of the Spirit, you know, as you walk through the Acts, uh, uh, um, as you walk through Acts? Um, what's the Holy Spirit's part in sanctification? Um, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the life of the church? Um, how does the Holy Spirit relate to end time events? I mean, on and on we could go. We so much that we do well to think carefully about the Holy Spirit, and I think we'll answer some of those questions in the coming weeks. And so this morning, the focus will be on the Holy Spirit and and Scripture, and I want to start with a quote, and it is not a um, helpful quote, okay? It's going to relate to what we're about to explore, though. Just this past week, uh, I was mowing a yard, and there was a car next to where I was mowing, and and there was a bumper sticker. And on this bumper sticker, here's what it says. I don't care what the Bible says. That's the bumper sticker, like, and then there was, like, there was a reproductive organ on it. It was a, I guess it's just an argument for abortion, But the bumper sticker said, I don't care what the Bible says. And and I just sat there and thought, that is uh, blatant. That's that's, um, a little more honest than a lot of people are um, about very much a deception that that pervades our culture. That there certainly are many who don't care what the Bible says. And so if we step back and think, what is so offensive about a statement like that, I hope you hear the rebellion against not just small picture a book, it's rebellion of God's word. It's rebellion against God. Because to disobey the scriptures is to disobey God. And so then when we start talking this morning about inspiration of the scripture, that points to that great offense of such a, um, just an audacious like bumper sticker to say something like that. You're recognizing that they're in rebellion against God because they rebel against the Bible and to rebel against 
the Bible is to rebel against God's word. It's to rebel against God. And so then this morning, as we look at the work of the Spirit, we're going to consider his role, the Holy Spirit's role, the third person of the Trinity's role in both um, the inspiration and illumination of the word. Uh, and so the Spirit is involved in the scriptures from first to last. That's really what, what we're seeing here. Inspiration, dealing with what we'll talk, look at when we look at 2 Timothy 3. The scripture is breathed out by God. The Holy Spirit inspires the scripture. It's, it's breathed out by God. That's inspiration. Then when we move in this second half, we'll really, I bet the last third of our, our time this morning, we'll look at illumination. And that's really dealing with the process then of bringing about understanding. So we have, you know, God's word, it's, it's um, inspired by God, um, and the spirit opens our eyes to understand the scripture. So there's understanding that is given to the reader by the spirit. That's illumination. So inspiration is the scripture is breathed out by God. It, it is God's word. Illumination is that understanding that God gives us of his word by the spirit. So you have in front of you um, a handout that will hopefully walk us through this subject. I just began with, I didn't even reference what this is, but many of you know as parents, you know, the, this, this catechism for, for young children. Um, one of the questions is, who wrote the Bible? And, you know, that, that's often a, a difficult question for some to answer. And it's really very, very plain in the scripture. Who wrote the Bible? Well, chosen men wrote the Bible. That's, that's absolutely a true answer. But it's also not a complete answer because we know that chosen men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if you guys saw this a few weeks ago. I, I believe it was a few weeks ago, if I'm getting the timing right. There was... Was it even a final Jeopardy question that, that related to authorship of a particular book of the Bible? And, and um, it just was interesting because it caused a lot of uh, just strife amongst those who answered poorly and those who answered, um, you know, ignorantly and, and those who would be watching who, who didn't answer at all, right? But, but you're thinking, well, man, if we're thinking who wrote the Bible, you know, ultimately we could say, well, chosen men who were inspired, but I would just have loved to have seen that be the answer on the um, Jeopardy final answer and just, just see if uh, Ken Jennings would have known what to do with that. But um, it was related to Hebrews, by the way, and, and Jeopardy took a stand. And uh, some in this room would agree with who, who, who they took as the answer for who wrote it, Hebrews. But anyway, I guess I'm just saying, we know who wrote the Bible. Well, chosen men wrote the Bible, but these chosen men that wrote these 66 books of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about as we walk, um, begin here with inspiration. Um, here's a definition from John Walverd in regards to what we're even talking about with this subject. Just kind of follow through. Uh, not necessarily concise here, but I think very helpful. Uh, definition, uh, God so supernaturally directed the writers of scripture that without excluding their human intelligence, their individuality, their literary style, their personal feelings, or any other human factor, his own complete and coherent message to man was recorded in perfect accuracy 
the very words of scriptures bearing the authority of divine authorship. So there's a lot there, both in regards, what do we learn about the human authorship of scripture from this, or how do we benefit in this definition from um, just a greater understanding of the human authorship of, of scripture? What, what are we not talking about in regards to human authorship based on this definition? That's right. So we're not just talking about mindless uh, dictation where they, they, they're responsible for the physical writing down of it, but there was no mindful activity. Um, they weren't robots. And then what do we learn, though, about the divine authorship of Scripture from this definition of inspiration as well? That's right. It's, it's God's Word. It's, it's authoritative. It is complete. Um, it is clear. It is coherent. It is, it is perfect. It is the very Word of God. It, only God's Word would, in fact, be authoritative. So, so you're seeing both the human and divine authorship in that definition. This next statement, even less uh, concise and uh, also helpful. This is from the New Bible Dictionary, but, but there are just several points I want to make before we start looking at a few scriptures, because you're going to see these realities come out in, in the text that we're going to read. So here, here's a description um, of inspiration from the New Bible Dictionary. Biblical inspiration may be explained as God superintending human authors so that using their own individual personalities, they composed and recorded without error his message to man in the words of their original writings in the Bible. God superintended but did not dictate. His superintendence was sometimes very direct and sometimes less direct, but always active, so that he guarded the writers from writing inaccurately. He used human authors, including their own individual styles. They were not stenographers receiving dictation. The result of this combination of human and divine authorship was a record that in the original manuscripts was without error. This is helpful because even I, I think I, I know I did. I made a statement even in Leviticus that I think is helpful, but it also doesn't need to be overthought. That, that I, I remember reading somewhere as we were studying through Leviticus that there's no other book that has more direct quotations from God. But even Leviticus is not just entirely just direct quotations from God. So you have God speaking to Moses or, you know, speaking to Moses, to Aaron, to the people, speaking to Moses to tell Aaron and the people. You know, you continue to hear God speaking to Moses and Moses is recording what God has said to him. But even Leviticus is not just some direct quotation from God where Moses is just writing down what, what God says, I, I'm write down what I'm about to say. But you certainly see direct quotations from God throughout, thus says the Lord. There are many, I mean, just countless times throughout the scriptures as, as people are writing down the very words that God has spoken to them, the prophets or the New Testament authors, writing down exactly what God has said to them. There are other times, even when you're seeing this uh, superintendence on display in less direct ways, even, even go to Luke chapter one. So remember, 
Rod walking us through this as we began that study in the Gospel of Luke. One of, one of Luke's unique contributions and, and what is more, um, uh, well again, less concise, just as much as those definitions were a few minutes ago, uh, Luke's Gospels is, is quite thorough. And let's even think through the thoroughness of this Gospel when you begin this book. Inasmuch, he says in verse 1, as, as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And so as we walk through that definition of inspiration, and we're seeing that, that it's God indeed who superintends the human authors so that they use their own individual personalities. How do you see Luke using his own individual personality, even there at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke? There's careful research, effort, time, um, interaction with others, uh, having followed all things closely, he says in verse 3, for some time past. I mean, you're seeing, this is not dictation. This was, this was careful research by Luke, but it's not um, just up to Luke. Luke was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so some of these other statements that are made in regards to this superintending work of, of, of the divine authorship of the Spirit to, to guard the author from error, to speak truth because it's inspired by the Spirit of truth. He so guarded the writers from writing inaccurately. He used authors, including their own styles, but they weren't just mindless stenographers or they just didn't just dictate what came in and, they just, and it came out. No, this, was, this, was, this required effort, but it was dependent on the spirit. So the result of this human and divine authorship was a record that in the original manuscripts was without error. So when you go back to thinking of that first bumper sticker, uh, the reason that that relates here is, is we are talking about, when we talk about the Bible, we're talking about God's word. And because we're talking about God's word because the scriptures are inspired by God. And so then you step back and think, well, what do I know to be true about God? You reckon this God who, who created the whole world, who's sovereign over all things, and he has spoken, he's revealed himself in his word. And so if you're in rebellion against God, you're thinking, well, I'm just gonna do it my own way. You're in rebellion against the author of all creation who's sovereign over all, who knows all things, who's all powerful, who has given us his word, showing us what pleases him, revealing to us that we are unable to satisfy the standards of his law. And so we are at enmity with God unless we repent. And all of this is communicated to us in the scriptures. And so when you're saying, I don't care what the Bible says, you're stating something that is just... Um, just tragic to hear. And so then when you even think carefully about inspiration and its logical conclusion as well, if the scriptures are divinely inspired, if the and they are, so the scripture, it's God's word, what else do we know to be true about God's word? And it's in that last statement in this new Bible dictionary definition. Think about it here. This is another takeaway in regards to his inspiration. It's a record that in the original manuscripts was without error. Because what do we know to be true about God? 
He is a God of truth. He cannot lie. Um, and so, so this divine authorship shows us also the inerrancy, the infallibility, the authority of Scripture because God inspired the Scripture. It's, it's breathed out by God. The Scripture is God's Word. And so you can't just say, well, I believe the Bible is, you know, right here, helpful there, wrong in some places. Like, no, no. The Bible is God's word, and God cannot lie. God's word is without error. That's, that's, the, that's the reality here. And so, so it's helpful to begin that as, as we say, as we explain what inspiration is. So let's just look at a few texts that, that show us this testimony in the scriptures of the inspiration of the scriptures. And we'll begin, you have both uh, the, the key text that we're going to kind of say a few things about, and then we'll probably move a little quicker through a few other references. But these first two are very familiar. Uh, one is going to be one that we're going to spend some time in here pretty soon. Rod, like December, January, June, something. Um, verses 20 and 21 of Second Peter 1. So um, I, don't, I don't think we need to spend too much time on that, because Rod will be dealing with that here soon. But um, 2 Timothy 3, um, we know this verse well, but think about it, what it shows us in regards to inspiration. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. What is Paul referring to when he says um, all scripture is breathed out by God? I, right, so, because there is, there is an argument saying, well, well, Paul only would know, you know, the Old Testament. But, but if we're thinking, how does inspiration help us in, in thinking what, what the, the takeaway here from 2 Timothy 3.16? It's the authority of Scripture is not given at, when, when it's canonized, when it's recognized as Scripture. No, God has inspired all Scripture. So if it's inspired, it's inspired. And so even if Paul only knows his writing in the Old Testament and some of the other um, things at this point when he's saying all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, there also is this, this reality that we're recognizing, well, if, if, if all scripture is inspired by God, if all scripture is breathed out by God, um, even it's, it's not limited to just what Paul would even have, have knowledge of at this point. Paul's words were inspired by God and so too are, are the rest of the scripture. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for proof, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So, so it's breathed out. We, and in these definitions that we've said already, um, it, it eliminates some of the errors that are, or misunderstandings that are taken in regards to inspiration. So this is really me just repeating myself again, but I just want to make sure we understand when we're saying that the scripture is breathed out by God, the, the way that we know this to be true, and even Second Peter is going to help us with this, it's not something mechanical that happened. It wasn't just some robotic. So inspiration is not mechanical inspiration. There are places in the scripture where it is just, it's, it's almost just dictation, where, where the author is writing exactly what God just told him to write down. But, um, but he's still using his mind. He, he's not mindless in such Responses, but then there's other places where where he's writing the very own words that he desires to write. He's writing what he wants to be writing. It, it reflects his own personal feelings, his own style, his own individuality. But he's writing the very words of God. But it but it is um, 
under the inspiration of God. It's not mechanical, but it's also not just something where they're just kind of like motivated to write what, what means a lot to them. That's not inspiration. It's not just motivation. It's not just mechanical. It is God speaking through um, these authors. That's what we're talking about with inspiration. In fact, the statement that's used to, to describe what we're talking about here is verbal plenary inspiration. So when you're saying verbal plenary, think of these two words. Plenary, we're talking about all. Uh, it's the full, all of, of, of these words, the, the plenary of scripture. All of it is inspired by God. Verbal, every word, paragraph, sentence, word, verbal, <clears throat> verbal plenary inspiration. That's what we're talking about when we say that all scripture is breathed out by God. And so then all of it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Well, how did he do this? I appreciated, I don't even remember who I was reading that wrote this, but I appreciated it. How? Uh, mysteriously is, is how, how this one individual answered. Uh, but that is the reality here. This is how this, the Spirit inspired the authors to write the very words of God. All scriptures breathed out by God. Second Peter chapter 1, let's look at that verse real quick and just point out a few um, statements in, in it. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, Peter says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let's do this again with those questions about human authorship and divine authorship. What do you learn about the human authorship of scripture from 2 Peter chapter 1? It wasn't just somebody's own interpretation of it. That's right. It, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. So it's not the product of man. Um, but men wrote the scripture under the inspiration of God. So, so it's, no, it's not a product of man. But men spoke from God. And then you're seeing the divine authorship of Scripture in this passage in, in what ways? Well, I just said they spoke from God, so there's divine authorship there too. But what, what is really helpful, even in this word picture uh, of what inspiration even looks like, when we say how, and I say mysteriously, Second uh, Peter give, gives us a little bit of an illustration of this mystery um, in regards to the divine authorship of Scripture. What what? Where do you see divine authorship in Second Peter 1? Very good. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, here's, here's a quote from Charles Ryrie in regards to this reality of being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The agents of Scripture were men. The source of Scripture was God. Um, and the single author moving the human instruments was the Holy Spirit. So, so I'd maybe even want to write that down, but I think those three things are, are helpful to recognize. The agents were men. The source was God. And the single author moving the human instruments was the Holy Spirit. And so then this, this illustration, this word picture here, the word moved, carried along, 
indicates that the Spirit bore the human writers along as he directed their writings. So he even references this same word being used in Acts 27 um, in regards to this strong wind that irresistibly uh, moved, carried along uh, this ship, directed the ship on which Paul was uh, on. And this is, this is how it works in inspiration as, um, as God, ins- uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, moves these writers to write the very words of God. And the wisdom of God, just think about they're in their individuality, they're writing in their own styles. Luke is using his own research techniques. Um, you know, uh, in the wisdom literature, you think of the, the skill, even uh, just poetry that's going on there. These guys are writing in the styles that, 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 um, that are just reflective of their own background and skill and their personal feelings as they're writing these things. All of these human factors that are not negated in inspiration. But as they're writing, they are being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they write the very words of God. They write what they want to write, and they're writing what God has superintended for them to write. They write the very words of God. Okay, so uh, let me read just a couple other uh, cross-references in regards to to this. Those two, I do think, you would find to be very key that you'd want to think carefully about those in regards to inspiration. But, but uh, you have a couple others written down there. I um, probably don't have time to turn to each of them. Let me just read 2 Samuel 23. It says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God. Uh, Moving down to Ezekiel 3, the Spirit then entered me and made me stand on my feet, and he spoke with me and said to me, go shut yourself up in your house. Um, Let me move down to 27. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, thus says the Lord God. So Ezekiel is is speaking the very words of God when, you know, Ezekiel, uh, Zechariah 7, uh, they made their hearts like flint so they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Uh, go ahead, turn to John 14. It's interesting. This verse as I was studying, I found several places where, where individuals would use John 14 in reference to illumination. Uh, there's certainly principles I think that would come out as we get there in just a few minutes in illumination, but I actually think that the John 14 is really showing us much more about inspiration when you think of who Jesus is addressing in John 14. But uh, John 14, 26 um, and we're going to need to spend some time here as we start talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in, in the coming weeks. But I'll just start verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So as Jesus is, is there with the disciples and he's telling them about this paraclete, this helper that is going to be 
given, sent. And, and you're seeing, if you go back to some of those definitions that we talked about earlier, um, about you know, this perfect accuracy of, in, in regards to the inspiration of the scripture, when you think of the spirit guarding the writers from writing inaccurately, um, I think that's what you're seeing here in verse 26 when he says, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What they're going to write is going to be the very word of God. What they're going to write is going to be completely accurate um, without error because it's the very word of God and the spirit that has been given to them is going to bring to mind remembrance, uh, is going to teach them all things. You're seeing the inspiration of the scripture in John 14. Um, okay, here's an interesting reality too. Last, last point we'll make in regards to inspiration. The next section there, you have Old Testament quotes in the New Testament. And we have to just flip pages to each of these because it's really, really significant just to take note of this. Go to, go to Mark chapter 12. First one there wins absolutely nothing. But Mark 12, 36, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Okay, so, so even Mark has shown us inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he quotes David. He's quoting Psalm 110. That's a Psalm of David. And David himself in the Holy Spirit declared. So Psalm 110 is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as David wrote that psalm. Uh, similar, similar statements that are made here, but go to Acts 4. Acts 4, 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, by the Holy Spirit. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So that second half of 25 and all of 26 is a quote from Psalm 2. Um, and Acts 4 is telling us, you know, from your father David, your servant, and he said it by the Holy Spirit. So again, just inspiration of the scripture. This last one's pretty neat because you have to go to two different passages in Hebrews to really connect the dots on all of it. But Hebrews chapter three, verse seven. Again, David is quoted. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I spoiled the surprise. Uh, Hebrews 3, seven, you see, um, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, isn't that profound a statement by the, the author of Hebrews? And you can ask Ken Jennings who that is, apparently. But um, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, wouldn't that have been a fun thing to write down on the like, pad on Jeopardy, like Hebrews 3.7? Oh, man, I just thought that right now. Anyway, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, uh, and then he quotes Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Okay, just real quick, go to Psalm 95. Oftentimes, you know, in this, the, we see the authorship at the very beginning, you know, like a Psalm of David, a Psalm of Moses, et cetera, et cetera. Psalm 95, who wrote Psalm 95? 
well, you don't have assistance there at the beginning. It's not a, a song of Korah, of David, on and on. It just begins, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Okay, Hebrews 4, 7. Hebrews 3, 7 quoted this psalm. Hebrews 4, 7 again quotes this psalm. And he says in verse 7, again, he appoints a certain day, today saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So again, just the, you see, you know, testimony to the human authorship in, in chapter 4, but focus and emphasis on the divine authorship in chapter 3 of Hebrews. But both passages quoting from Psalm 95 and saying, this is the word of the Lord. This is from God. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So who wrote the Bible? Chosen men who are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Ben, what am I going to do about this? Um, if, yeah, so I'll just, I'll just bring illumination in at the very beginning of um, our time. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and I think we're just going to need to begin with illumination uh, as we do that. There are just a variety of takeaways from this. If you think, you know, as a parent, have you ever been kind of tricked by your kids, or when you were a kid, did you trick your parents into, you know, you asked your mom if you could have another glass of Sprite. Mom says no, so what do you do? You know, you go to dad, and you say, dad, could I have Sprite? And Sure. And you kind of like get them, you know, unaware of the other. When we think of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, I think that really guards us from, from an error you hear all too often today um, in regards to a variety of just sins where, where someone will willingly sin against God and their justification for sinning against God's word is because of some prompting that they got from the Holy Spirit. You know, I know what God's word says about divorce, but I prayed about it. And this is, this is really what I feel like the Spirit is leading me to do. And, and just, he's try, people are trying to get the, you know, I asked dad for Sprite, but then I had to go to mom. You know, that's, when you're seeing here with the scriptures, the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. And so if you ever get a prompting from the Spirit, some, some lead, you're going to justify it by some leading of the Holy Spirit that contradicts the scripture, that's just not a reality. You are being deceived. It's another spirit that is deceiving you. If you, are, or if you are feeling like something and it is opposed to the word of God, it is not from God. And you can't say, well, the spirit led me to do something in contradiction to what the spirit wrote in the scriptures because that's not how the spirit works. And so I just really think the inspiration of scripture really helps us to, to be mindful of that. I've even heard sometimes, we're going to talk in a few weeks about um, our, our view on the cessationism of, of certain miraculous gifts. You know, um, these, these miraculous gifts ceased with the apostles. And, and so sometimes what accusation that is made of those who would, would be cessationists would be, well, they don't really believe in the um, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't see the Spirit is still working today. That is not what we're saying. If we're saying certain sign gifts ceased, 
we're still very much dependent on the activity of the Holy Spirit in so many ways. So uh, that's what we'll see the next week about illumination. But then when you think of even in conversion, when you think even in sanctification, when I mean, the Spirit is active today, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be dependent on the Spirit. We need the Spirit to open our eyes to understand the Scriptures. We very much need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so I hope that'll become clear as well. Uh, let me... Uh, let me close in prayer, and I really look forward to us thinking about the Holy Spirit's role in illumination and, and then thinking carefully about the Spirit's work in the Old Testament. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this morning. Uh, we bow the knee to, to you. You are sovereign over all. As we open up your word, we're reading the very words from God. Open our eyes, God, to, to understand um, your word. Give us uh, strength to obey your word and to um, delight in your word and to proclaim your word. So God, I pray you'd be made much of this morning as we worship you. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.